the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us today. Our friend David French, he writes at the French Press. Uh, He's also a very polarizing figure, as we have come to learn since we started having him on the show somewhat regularly here. We really do enjoy having David on often. But he wrote uh, kind of the beginning of this week, why Christians bond with corrupt leaders. Mm. When we drink the water, we sometimes forget its true source. He goes on to talk about Mark Driscoll, Jerry Falwell, Ravi Zacharias, and the list goes on and on and on. Of people where uh, one of two conversations now happens, Aubrey, where things have happened personally around them and people either say, yeah, but God has used them in unbelievable ways and kind of dismiss what they've done and because of the fruit or people right. say, well, because of what they've done, we basically have to burn their books. Right? Right. <laughs> we got to just get yeah. rid of it. Yep. Before we get into what David had to say here, what is the right approach for people? When a pastor fails, do we stop listening to their sermons? When uh, when an author uh, fails mm-hmm. in a big way, do we do we put their books in a box mm-hmm. and kind of put them in the corner? What's kind of I don't know if there's a right answer. So what's kind of your answer for your life? I wish I had a hard, fast rule or even mm-hmm. like a here's my philosophy. I don't have that. I only have my own experience, which is so like uh, I'll give Ravi as an example. I know that he was deeply impactful in so many pastors mm-hmm. lives. So I am not trying to invalidate that for me personally, the the height and the depth of his abuse, his mm. sin, his criminal behavior. I said, no more. I will not read his books. I won't listen to sermons. I'm out. I'm done. You, if you want to use language canceled, fine. I canceled <laughs> Ravi because that to me was so severe and so against who I am as a woman and what I stand for as a woman, as a woman. And to me, it totally, totally diminished the work of his ministry, mm. period. That said, I can see where there are cases like with the Driscoll, where you listen to the Mars Hill podcast and you go, OK, yes, like that was eventually bent towards destruction. But there were lives that were changed. There were lots of lots of my colleagues in ministry who loved his teaching. And I imagine still have some of that good influence. Mm. So do you throw the whole baby out with the bathwater? I guess I can't answer that for everybody. I do think it's a case by case thing, but I also don't, I think we have been too flippant and too careless to do what you talked about before, which is to say, yeah, but there's some fruit. So it's worthwhile. There has to be some pushback consequence decision in your mind before the Lord about how you're going to keep consuming that person's product ministry, et cetera. You can't just go about it, uh, Blithely, Right. You said something interesting there. You said for you, and, and again, you're just speaking for yourself, not telling everybody else this yeah. is how you should yeah. do it. For yourself, there is a little bit of a gray area as to what the disqualifying mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. event or events yeah. were. And I think that's really fair. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think there's probably also for me, how much is what, this is a weird way to put it, but what disqualified them tied to what they were, pre- you know, for some people, 
what they were doing behind the scenes completely invalidates what they were talking that's about it. because there was so others that's less because yes. it's more of a, you know, I think Mark Driscoll bring him up. I think he believed what he was saying, but was just a jerk and abusive. You know, there, there was yeah. something of it. Yeah. I've stopped listening to Mark Driscoll. Right. So, but right. that um, David French says it this way. Here's the reality. He says, we often fail to distinguish between God love, God's love and mercy for us and God's approval or favor or endorsement of the man or woman who built the institution or delivered the message. Uh, and so he goes on to say, it's very easy to, to attribute to man what comes from God or to place loyalty to any particular man as a special instrument of God. We have our favorite writers, our favorite speakers, our favorite musicians. David says, I know I do. Read or listen to me for any length of time, and you'll start to see a pattern of Tim Keller, Russell Moore, Beth Moore references, C.S. Lewis quotes, and such. But I try to remind myself that while I can and should be grateful to each of these individuals for their courage or insight or wisdom or integrity, I know the ultimate source of each of these attributes, and that's where my real gratitude lies. So even when you're looking at somebody who hasn't publicly fallen, right? Yes. Uh, there's still this tendency to hero worship in the Christian yeah, world. That absolutely. says, I will listen to anything Tim Keller says. Right. It's as if he was I, up and on I the won't mountain. question any of it. Yeah. As long as it comes from the mouth. And David later, David French later is going to talk about tribalism, right? Like mm-hmm. Russell Moore can never say anything bad or, mm. you know, some people go Mark Driscoll can never say anything bad. Mm-hmm. These are it's not about the instruments. It's about, uh, you know, they're not the ones bringing forth. And so I do think, Aubrey, this touches on another important point, and that's Christian celebrity uh, kind of worship uh, yeah. and or at yeah. least just celebrityness in general. Yeah. Uh, that's a weird dynamic, and it is proven over and over and over again to get us in trouble. You know, it's interesting. There was a recent uh, tweet by Beth Moore where she and I'm going to butcher it a little bit. But somebody was talking kind of about this uh, celebrity culture. And she responded by saying, look, you don't want to go viral. You don't want to go viral. You don't want to go <laughs> viral. You don't want to. I mean, you know, and she said it better and more clever than what I'm saying. But it it strikes me in the heart of this conversation that we do. We do put these celebrities up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a part of that, is, I think, because we are made to be worshipers, mm-hmm. right? And in our idolatry, we just make the created things the object of our worship. That's we right. know that. I mean, the Bible right. talks about that, right? So that's what we're doing when we do that. The flip side of that is I think what Beth Moore was getting at is like, you don't want to be the person worshipped. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm telling you, that is detrimental and it's dangerous. One, because there's a lot of violence against you, as Beth has experienced. But on. also, too, because then you're taking on this role of you think you're a God. That's and right. we know there's no place for that for the Christian. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like this chicken and the egg catch 22 whatever other how many <laughs> they, they both work they both you know, work how many more little pithy things can i think of where you as a leader and a platform person have to be careful not to allow yourself to like buy your own press mm. simultaneously as consumers we have to do what david french is talking about and remembering like god is the one we worship and the source of the thing we're excited about yeah. not that person that's good david french writes at the end here he goes Christians are not a special, better class of person. We're normal people, but we're normal people to whom God has delivered a high moral call. The Sermon on the Mount, for example, is one of the most profoundly challenging declarations of moral purpose ever uttered. Uh, Thank God for his remarkable grace because I fail to achieve that standard every day, but the call still remains the same. He goes on to quote his brilliant colleague. He says, Jonah Goldberg 
often talks about the distinction between an understandable phenomenon and a justifiable one. An explanation is not the same thing as a justification. We have to be aware of and confront many of our natural inclinations and temptations. That's the first step to changing a culture that has bonded all too many well-meaning men and women to leaders who do not merit their trust. Mm. Uh, Really good words there from David French. Uh, Why Christians bond with corrupt leaders. It's something we've seen often uh, in the last year. It's something we saw before that, and it's something that sadly will continue. All right, Aubrey, you ready to talk about uh, this? After the break, we're going to talk about swearing and Christians. Ooh, that's going to be a good conversation. Is there ever a place for it from the pulpit? Is there ever a place in just general conversation between Christians We're going to talk about potty mouths next year on The Common Good. (laughs) AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. Hope you're doing well. And we are glad that you're spending some time with us. All right, Aubrey, you and I are both pastors. We say that every day that we're here. Uh, I'm at Four Corners Community Church. Uh, in Downers Grove. You are at uh, Renewal Church of West Chicago, and uh, we both preach often. You also speak often Mm -hmm. and write. Uh, And so we've got some public platform. We also sit behind a microphone uh, five days a week for two hours a day to talk. (laughs) Things come out of our mouths. And so, Aubrey, uh, let me tell you how I was raised. And because you and I I were raised a little differently, so I'm, I'm interested to know if this also fits for you. But one of the Many things. I grew up in the church. I I do not yeah. remember a time in my life where I was yeah. not a part of a That's church. So awesome, Brian. My, my family. We were always the one. We were like the last people who left church. Yeah. And we were that family where if the church was open, we were there. Can like, I just church, pause and say that that is an incredible inheritance? I love that. I am thankful for yeah. it. Uh, there were times growing up where you're like, oh, really, I'd rather right. stay of home course. and watch this of game course. or do this. But I'm super thankful for it. Uh, and my wife was raised the exact same way. And so I would tell you one of the things that I grew up as as a kind of a hallmark, Aubrey, was uh, good Christians don't do a couple different things. They don't drink. They don't do some other things. But one of them is they don't swear. Right. Uh, Good Christians don't swear. And I think if my pastor ever swore from the pulpit growing up. As beloved as he was, that might be the last time he was in there. Oh, yeah. Maybe there would have been a one-time mulligan given, right? Right, right. Remind me before we're done to tell you the one time I accidentally swore from the pulpit, though. I cannot wait to hear this story. Uh, And so uh, there was an article, and this is, you're starting to see this more and more. Well, let me first ask you, grow up the same way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in a, I didn't, so... My parents were both raised in church, but both walked away from God, then came back when I was a middle schooler. So I didn't technically grow up in church. But when we began going back to church, it was the Southern Baptist Church. So no, 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 no. You did not swear (laughs) from the pulpit. Now, I think it was an old joke that, like, of course, we all knew pastors would swear behind the scenes. But no, I think any pastor who said a swear word from the pulpit would have been fired. Like Mm -hmm. it just I mean, I remember at Wheaton College, there was a guest speaker who came in and he said a bad word. And he was he was like maybe even walked off the stage. And that was like Wheaton College. (laughs) So so yeah, no, 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 no. Yes. Uh, So here's why we're asking this. Uh, This article was at the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Network. 
I saw this on Twitter from our friend Kate Chilnut at Christianity Today. Okay. And what's it called? She quote tweeted it, right? Like it's yep. there. And then yep. she wrote something. Yep. Uh, look at me. So trendy. You're so trendy. Uh, she said, uh, I can't tell you. Basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing her, but she said, I sure. can't tell you how many pastors, how often pastors swear to me. Uh, in the course of an interview. Wow. And this article is some pastors up in um, Canada or other people they've talked to in the state saying uh, they actually think that swearing has a place. And this is Those crazy Canadians. Alan Rudy Froze. He teaches preaching at a Mennonite seminary in Indiana. That's cool. Uh, and also at uh, a college in Ontario. And he says this. Sometimes. The swear word is actually the most honest word. Hmm. There's a kind of new honesty there uh, that's about what's happening. And we're finding ways to put into words, which is, I think, a very good thing. Now, he doesn't go so far as to use curse words while speaking during okay. a sermon in front of a congregation. But he said he's, quote, intrigued by others who have used strong language in their work, including Nadia Boltz Weber and others who, who have gotten much fame. You might yeah. remember back in the well-known book, Blue Like Jazz, this is the first time many of us were introduced to Mark Driscoll. Yes. Who at that point was very unknown and yes. was called, in the book, was called... The Cussing Passer? The Swearing, swearing the, Pastor. Might have been the Cussing Passer, yeah. but yeah. that was his badge of honor. Yes. That was what he was known for. Yes. And so, Aubrey, there is this kind of movement of people who are going, hey... There's times where it's the honest thing to do. Mm -hmm. So let's take them both. Let's try to tackle both. Okay. The pulpit, which right. I think you and I are going to agree on pretty quickly mm -hmm. here. But then we're talking to people who out here who aren't pastors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there place for Christians to be using, uh, are we just being fundamentalists to be like, uh, never, ever say a four letter word. Right. And sometimes after, if that's what's in you, right. that's in you. or right. is it, you know what? I just don't think it's becoming of a Christian. I right. think it sends the wrong message. Right. And I think we as Christians would be wise not to partake. This conversation makes me feel like a very old lady. And, <laughs> I think we're going to agree. Maybe a very proper Southern lady, but I just, okay, let's just talk pulpit. First of all, I don't think there is a place in public Christian communication for swearing. I, agree. I don't Now I understand like lots of Christians I've heard like to be like, well, the apostle Paul said mm -hmm. that the, you know, I'm going to mix this up. Like the, <laughs> the weight of glory is nothing compared with the beep that, you know, yeah. and they interpret a word like garbage or dung and they yep. want to swear. And so they're like, apostle Paul did it. I, I think it is, and this is where maybe I am a little bit fundamentalist. I do think it's unbecoming. I don't think it's appealing. I don't think it's attractive. I think we can use our words with a lot more honor and respect than that. I don't think it sends a good message or, um, or dignifies the listener. Mm. Now, I, I will say about Nadia Boltz Weber, and I, I don't like listening to her because of all the F bombs she mm -hmm. drops. It offends me. I'll be mm -hmm. very honest. But mm -hmm. I know that she draws a lot of people in who are attracted, I mean, both by her more progressive theology, but also by what they interpret as authenticity in her mm -hmm. swearing. Mm -hmm. And so I can see how there is a flip side of this argument that for some people who come from rougher backgrounds are used to swearing, they might be like, dude, this is awesome. There's a pastor swearing. This is yep. my church. Yep. Yep. That's not going to be my church. Mm -hmm. um, so pulpit. Yep. Behind the scenes, so I think it's okay for like in front of their close friends and family pastors to swear if it feels like the right use. Yeah, I, 
we're all adults here. Let's. But I do think I don't. If you have a potty mouth, I don't think that edifies your listener, yourself, your soul, or the Lord. Yeah. But again, this is where I'm like, maybe I'm an old lady. So you and I are the same. I'm not an okay. old lady, but you and I <laughs> raised much the same way. There's a podcast. There's some podcasts or some. Uh, I'll listen to satellite radio where there's not the same rules, you know. Uh, and there's a couple of them that I love to listen to where they swear often, and I just can't handle it. Yeah. Like I end up changing it. Like there's something internally in me, uh, internally. Now, I would say I'm with you. Pulpit, no. Yeah. I think it's often just for shock value. It's like I'm not that kind it's of like pastor. It's like to get attention, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I also, all right, anecdotal, painting with a broad brush, a lot of the Christians that I know who swear yeah. like in everyday conversation, yeah. it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like mm. I'm kind of breaking away from my Christian. Interesting. And you're just kind of like, just be true to yourself. Yeah, be you real. don't have to. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this article is going to argue a different thing. They're going to argue that there is research that says uh, that when you swear, it actually uh, brings down. It, here, they say this. In court transcripts or in mock trials, people who swear the jury will find them more believable. You wouldn't lie about it because it's so intense. And they go on to say that there's, uh, according to upcoming research, swearing activates the parts of our nervous system that helps us relax immediately after experiencing stress. I guess I would say it this way. When I have Christian friends around me who swear, I never go to myself. Oh, they're backsliding. They're no, going never, 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 never. I still also cringe and I'm like, why? Yeah. You know yeah. What? Like, why? And, you don't and have to. That could be part of the upbringing. But right. there is part of me that it feels there. It feels like you're trying to be something. That yeah. You're not. And, uh, and so. All right. Let me tell you my story real fast. Okay. Real fast. I was preaching uh, at our church. This is probably five or six years ago. And I uh, meant to say um you know, a lot, and the problem is that the swear fit really well with it. Uh, that I said, a, the, the line that I meant to deliver was, a lot of you are dealing with a lot of shame and guilt. Oh, no, I know what you're, And yeah. I can basically combine, combine them. shame and guilt, yeah. but it fits perfectly. Yeah, with that a does lot fit. of you are dealing with a lot of, and I said it, <laughs> and I just blew through it. Aubrey, this might get rid of everything we've just said. Because for the next five minutes, my church had never been more attentive. Stop! They're like, whoa! I watched guys who are a little sleepy all of a sudden start hitting their wives going, did he just... And I just, I didn't all acknowledge right, maybe it. Maybe we need to start swearing I more just from rolled the pulpit. Through it. But I think you and I agree, and I think we're right about this, but we'd love to hear what other people Absolutely. have to say. Just say it nicely to us. You can do Don't it swear Facebook, on us, please. Twitter, or Instagram <laughs> at Common Good Talk. All right, Aubrey, coming up next, we're going to we're going to do something new that I thought up over Christmas. I've been sitting on it, kind of thinking about it. It deals with music, some of our favorite songs. Uh, I think it's going to be really a good time. Uh, but I'm a little nervous about it. We've never tried this before. It'll be fine. So It'll be fine. We're all going to do it together. Stay with us next year on The Common Good. AIM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good, AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Something we like to do on Fridays, we just like to have some fun, right Aubrey? We like yes. to do our top five list is coming on later Woo-hoo! today, uh, those types of things. But here's what I here's the one I thought of uh, over Christmas, it was this, music, right? Music. I'm not a musician, but we all love music, and we have these certain songs that... Um, that, that bring about certain emotions in us. Mm-hmm. So I thought we could take some time and just share songs. 
It could be worship songs. It could be a hymn. It could be uh, from a Disney movie. Or it could be, you know, a song that played on the radio the first time you and Kevin went on Love a date. That. Right? Love Any that. of these things. Or like for me, it could be Meet the Mets when you're walking into, into a city <laughs> field and it's playing and you're ready to go. Uh, do you understand? So we're going to yes. share the song. Yes. And we might even get to play a piece of it. There are rules around that in the radio world, sure. but play a little piece of it and then explain why we chose this song. I've yes. got like a list of a hundred. So some of them are this funny. So some fun. of them are this. I love so this, Brian. This is going to be a recurring one, uh, but I am, I'm going to let you go first, but I will <gasps> tell you that mine's going to be very churchy today. Okay, but it, that okay. will not normally, that will not be the regular deal, okay. but today it's going to be. Okay. It's okay if it is. I mean, you're, you're Thank a you pastor. For so you're okay. So th- I love this. I love that Brian came up with this. This is so much fun. The non-musician of us all. Right? I love that, Brian. Go. And it's always, I think it's fun for all of us to remember, you know, songs always bring you back. So so this is I like it. I like it. OK, so the song that I picked, what came to mind immediately was is this is going to feel a little cheesy as I'm saying it, but it's the song At Last I See the Light from Disney's Tangled movie. I love Tangled movie. I know. It's such a beautiful song. Standing here, it's all so clear. I'm where I'm meant to be. Um, here's some of the lyrics. All those days watching from the windows, all those years outside looking in, all that time never even knowing just how blind I'd been. Now I'm here blinking in the starlight. Now I'm here. Suddenly I see. Standing here, it's all so clear. I'm where I'm meant to be. Okay, so let me tell you about that. So I'm actually somehow won tickets to an advanced screening of Tangled, which is one of my favorite. I do Dis- like it's that amazing movie. movie. Yes, yes. And so, you know, the scene. So this song is sung in the background. For those of you who remember, the two of them are in that little boat together and it's the lantern. All the lanterns are going. And yep. I, I mean, I don't know what it was about the song lyrics, the lantern, the movie, the whole thing. I was there with my mother-in-law who's recently passed away. But I was in the throes of raising little kids. I don't think I was pregnant yet with my um, third. Mm. But my two were little. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was like, I don't know if I can keep mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. And this, both the movie and this song in particular, like, convicted me. Like, I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to see what is right in front of you and enjoy it and worship me for it and like be present with your kiddos instead of wishing the time away. Because yeah. part of the song is about how you're, especially when uh, the guy, uh, Flynn Rider, I think is his name. That's exactly his he name. Starts, yes. He starts singing about how he's spending his life chasing a dream, but he realized the dream was like right in front of him. It's romantic. It's about her. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I was thinking I was wishing away this time with my little kids instead of enjoying like, here's the dream I've always longed for, these precious little ones they're right in front of me i'm gonna miss it if i don't actually like realize i'm where i'm meant to be so it, mm-hmm. the lord brought healing in my life through this tangled song did you did you when you were in the theater and you're hearing it for the first time did you weep oh i mean i'm a crier anyway so I've yes like automatically you. i was crying and then i went and i bought myself a little tangled ornament with that very scene to remind myself of it every year 
and your mother-in-law's reaction to you weeping during a yeah she a wasn't movie, but, she yeah. wasn't a crier so she was definitely like are you okay like you know <laughs> you good I just kept, I kept it to myself I kept it to myself all right that's that gets it exactly yeah. what I thought we would yeah. do with this okay yeah. that's good I'm gonna pick a hymn okay mm-hmm. so I I like all modern worship music I do all this I I personally love hymns because yeah. they they're the songs that that like give like make the hair stand up on your that's arm, so true right? beautiful lyrics and like dramatic music yeah and so the more we do this i'm sure i'll let in a couple of these but uh let me give you one right now and we sung it in church this past sunday and it had the same effect on me mm-hmm. <laughs> like this uh and that is the old hymn it is well oh uh, Wait, we sang that on Sunday at our church. Congratulations. What? There we go. You guys probably jazzed it up a little bit. I bet our, our worship <laughs> pastors are on some list, and their list is like, oh, it's time to play uh, it as well again. Part of the, this is where we are in the calendar. Uh, what I love about that song is the background of the song, right? Horatio Spafford writes the song. Yeah. And if you know the background of that song, he has just gotten word. So he's... One of is he in England and his kids are his family's in America or vice versa something like that and uh, you know there was no airplanes at this time's boat uh, his family is then coming over to, uh, his wife and three kids I believe and they're coming over and their boat sinks right and his wife is saved but all of his kids die uh. and uh, she makes it over and then he's taking the boat back uh. and the story goes. Uh, that when he basically on that journey, including the part where the where the person was like the captain was like, this is where your kids died mm. is when he penned the words through it as well. Unbelievable. And you're just it adds such gravity and such depth yeah, to that does. hymn when you're like, OK, this is actually could I sing it is well with that immense of a tragedy? Mm-mm. How about half of that tragedy? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so you can get flippant about it when you sing it in church. Right, and, oh, right. But but when you when you take the gravity of it, and here, let's just listen to a small part of the song. Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let me just read two of the lyrics. It says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Amen. And then it goes on to say, uh, this is the one that always gets me, Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall mm. descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Mm. And he writes this after losing his own children. Wow. Wow. And so, yeah, sometimes we could just be like, you know what? Let's sing this song. I just preached on tragedy. Right, or this right. But to understand that the author of this hymn uh, was wrestling in some way. He wasn't yeah. just like, oh, that's where my kids died. Let me write this song. Like, mm. I can't imagine a more... Um, broken hearted scenario, then this is where your children perished. And, no, I and can't then to either. write those either. words, it yeah. is well with my soul, because yeah. it makes me think to myself, would it be well with my soul? Right. Can I sing this? Right. Uh, and so I find that hymn to Beautiful. be immensely, immensely powerful. So 
Yeah, See, that's a good is, one, Brian. This is the heart of this uh, of this look thing we're going to do. You're we so got, creative. Good we job. We got Tangled and we got a hymn. And, and next time God we'll flip has done it. through both of them. Just wait until some of the ones I have in the future. All right. We got to come up with a snazzy title for that. I feel uh, like our producer, part. Debbie's really good uh, at we'll that. She'll it. find a title we for us. We will have it next time for you. Hopefully you enjoyed that as much as we did. Coming up next. Uh, author, pastor, somebody that you and I both respect very much, Tim Keller. He wrote about the church crisis that he never had to face as a pastor, but you do. Hmm. Any pastors today do. What was Tim Keller talking about? We'll discuss that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside my co-host, Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us today. Tim Keller, uh, author, um, speaker, pastor of Redeemer Church, was the pastor of Redeemer Church that is throughout Manhattan. Uh, He is the one, uh, he's the pastor that a lot of us, I went to a church planting conference once and he came up to speak and they introduced him as Yoda. Yeah, like, that's about, just, that's accurate. He yes. He wisdom. wisdom. Yes. And he literally, he's at this conference, Aubrey, thousands of people uh, ready to hear his every word. And he spoke from a stool. Because <laughs> he's like, Tim Keller. He can. He can speak he? from a stool. Exactly. Yep. The rest of us, you'd be walking around, marching around. It's just sat in a stool. Sit down. And if ever there's ever this word fit, it's Tim Keller. And he pontificated. Yeah. He just... Yeah. Talked. Yeah, he just talks. So Tim Keller talked about uh he talks about the church crisis that he never had to face as a pastor, but you do. But mm. you are going to need to in this day and age. All right. What do you think it is? I don't know if you've read ahead this article, but what do you think he's going to describe? Any so guesses? I think he never had to experience. So he's saying this is do. a modern phenomenon. So back in his day as yeah. he was pastoring, yeah. he didn't need to do it. So I'm going to say it has to do with either the pandemic itself or the um all of the things that I think we would like say about the post-COVID world, some of the racial divides, some of the I'm mad at you, church, because you mm-hmm. made this decision about masks and you didn't make this decision about masks. Some of the polarization. I'm going to say it's something about that only because you and I haven't had experience that, you know, for our 20 years of ministry until right. the past couple of years. That's right. a total guess, though. So I you don't know. Are, you will be happy with your guess. He said this. Tim Keller says, I'd say that the culture is definitely more polarized than it ever has been. And I've never seen the kind of conflicts in churches in the past that we see today. Wow. In virtually every church, there is a smaller or larger body of Christians who have been radicalized to the left or to the right by extremely effective and completely immersive Internet and social media loops, news feeds and communities. Mm. People are bombarded 12 hours a day with pieces that present a particular political. That's a lot of pieces. That's a nice alliteration with those pieces. Present a particular political point of view. And the main way it seeks to persuade is not through argument, but through outrage. People are being formed by this immersive form of public discourse far more than they are being formed by the church. This is creating a crisis. No, I haven't faced anything like this in the past. However, the way to navigate such waters is still to follow the book of Proverbs Proverbs prescription for your words. They must Mm. be honest, few, extremely well-crafted, usually calm, (laughs) always aim to edify, even when critical, and they must be accompanied with lots of silent 
listening. So wow. you're right. Tim Keller is talking about the polarization within the wow. church. He says left and right, social media loops, news feeds, stuff you and I have talked mm-hmm. about often. But I find that sobering. Tim Keller, decades mm-hmm. upon decades of ministry is going, listen, this is a new ball game yeah. right now. This is not good. This is yeah. hard. I've never had to deal with it in decades of ministry. Yeah. Uh, I find that sobering from him. I, I would say too, Brian, and I, I know your your pastoral training was slightly different mine, than mine, at least as far as our education. I'm not talking about our experience, but just our education. I didn't have any class in no. my uh, latest master's degree program. I don't know if you did in yours. That was like, here's how you handle a polarized church. That's right. Here's how you handle a world that will completely disagree with each other and say they're the one true Christians. That's like, right. and And so... I think, one, this is sobering because you sort of would expect him to say, oh, yeah, this reminds me of back in the 70s when X, Y, Z. But he's like, no, 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 this is new. And I think sobering, too, for us as church leaders and for those of you listening who are in any type of leadership role at all, we have no preparation for this. And so I feel like we're all sort of learning as we go how to lead well and wisely through this. I appreciate that he brings it back to Proverbs And just as you think about your words, this actually goes back to the conversation we had about swearing in the pulpit. I think Mm -hmm, it's connected. mm -hmm. Make sure your words are honest, few, well-crafted, usually calm, and always aimed to edify. And then a lot of silent listening. That just feels like a great prescription period for the world right now, doesn't it? Yeah. So what is our role as pastors in this, right? We're leading churches, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to navigate this. Like you said, we did not have a class in our undergrad or, or grad school in which we were taught uh, here's how to navigate polarization yeah. and social media world that we live in. Yeah. Uh, so what do you believe the answer to be, Aubrey? Like, do we just put our head down and just keep preaching the gospel? <sighs> do we try to uh, get into every, um, mm. you know, Twitter fight and rock right. fight that we can right. or somewhere in between? What What's just the posture that maybe I wouldn't say that you would tell other people take. What's the posture you and your husband as you try to navigate this? Uh, what's kind of your posture towards this crisis that Tim Keller says he never had to face as a pastor? You know, there's this verse in Deuteronomy that I can't remember the um, chapter or the verse, so forgive me. But um, basically the word is be courageous and do the work. Mm. And I and I and that is what I have kept coming to. Like, remember the work of the ministry, which is to preach the gospel. And so it is a little bit like you said, put your head down and keep preaching the gospel. And I don't mean... Put your head down blindly, ignore what's happening. But like we almost can't allow this cultural moment to take us off of our path and to distract us. We have to stay laser focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, address how we like as we're shepherding our people and even shepherding our own hearts. How do we love well, Mm -hmm. treat each other with Mm -hmm. honor and dignity in this polarizing time, that almost seems to be the new call. Yeah. And we keep saying this almost as a joke, but like bottom line, if we can get our people to be kind to each other, right. that will reflect the love of Jesus. And I, I think, some, you know, something we've said about COVID is I think we're beyond just hoping it'll go away. Like it's going to yeah. kind of be something yeah. we have to navigate. Uh, I would say that times a hundred when it comes to polarization. Mm. And this is who we are now as a culture, it's right? True, Brian. Politically divided, um, ramped up discourse on both sides, all of this mm-hmm. animosity. This is who we are as a culture. This is the social media world that we live in. It's not like one day the whole world, the, the whole country is going to collectively go, you know, what we should do. We should turn off social media like 
uh, or we should turn off cable news or we should. This is who we are now. Yeah. This is and it's only going to get worse. And so if you're just like, you know, what, I'm just going to hold on until the polarization goes away. Not going to happen. Right. And so we do have to figure out ways to navigate it. But Aubrey, I think you're right. I don't think the answer is to uh, put our head in the sand. And I also don't think the answer is pick every fight we can. Right. I think the answer is to what Tim Keller said. How do I speak honest words, few words, extremely well-crafted words, calm words, edifying words? Like, how do I kind of rise above the fray? Like, pastors, that's what we used to be known for, right? The ability to kind of rise above the fray and speak to what yes. uh, needs to be said. I think we've got to get back to that. Tim Keller, at the end of his thing, uh, I, I wanted to make sure we got this in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the author said, looking back, is there anything you wish you had done differently in ministry? And he gave a very short answer. You want to know what he said? Yeah. He said, absolutely. I should have prayed more. No wow. question. It's a guy who has written more books. Wow. He has spoken more times mm. and is probably, if Convicting. we're honest, he's probably spent more time praying than, than 99. <laughs> Definitely more than I have. I can at exactly. least say that. Yeah. Uh, and Tim Keller said, I wish I had prayed more. That reminds me of when Billy mm. Graham was asked after all he had done, what do you wish you had done? He said, I wish I'd read the Bible more. Wow. And you're like, or studied the Bible more and got more den depth. It's, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's not interesting. And, yep. and I know you said this, but I just want to reiterate for emphasis. Absolutely. I should have prayed more. No question. No like question. it's not even just like, yep, that's it's not right. interesting. That's mm, right. Well, wow. coming up next, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about books being banned. What do we think about that next year on the common good? Aim 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are so glad that you're with us today. Brian, I was over on Twitter where you and I sometimes hang out. We try not to stay there to too be there long, very long, but every once in a while we're on Twitter. And uh, there was a, a really interesting tweet by a guy named Taylor Combs. He said this, conservatives are banning books and supporting free speech on Spotify Liberals are buying the banned books and advocating censorship on Spotify. Welcome to post-2016 America. Mm. What do you think about that? Before we dive, there's actually a story I want to unpack about this, but what do you think about that? It's fascinating, Aubrey. You and I talked about this way back on Monday when we talked about Joe Rogan a little bit, Mm -hmm. but there's... There's this idea right now that there's you'll see it throughout uh, these stories that conservatives, more conservative people seem to be pushing back against certain books being in schools and libraries and going back. People are saying they're wanting to ban books. Right. We're trying to ban books. And and the people who are against this are like, nope, we're going to buy those books and we're going to start book clubs around them. And yeah, uh, you know, it feels like there's this big push. And the same people who are saying no to the books are kind of the ones who tend to listen to uh, Joe Rogan and are like, he should be on Spotify. And the same people who are like, no, we need to ban or we need to buy these banned books and make sure people have them are the same people going. We need to stop what Joe Rogan's doing because he's spreading misinformation about uh, in their opinion about COVID and this. And And so Taylor Combs on this tweet, it's it's a really interesting uh, snapshot of America. You've got kind of the hypocrisy of both sides here. Uh, we want to get rid of these books, but keep this podcast. We want to get rid of this podcast, but keep these books. Yes. If you want to get rid of either, depending, it's dangerous. Like it's uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense as you look at it, but that's right. what's going on right now. And it's right. only picking up steam, right? These books, you see these book club clubs popping up and you should make sure your kids read these books that uh, that these crazy people don't want them to ever mm-hmm. be able to read. 
And then the next sentence, the next tweet is like, Joe Rogan should not be allowed to be. And it's just, you do. You struggle with it a little yeah. bit. I don't, I don't know. I haven't read most of, or if any of these books that right, they're talking about. Right. And I also have never listened to Joe Rogan. Right. So, but I look at it and I'm like, well, that seems interesting. Yeah. Like, these both seem two heads, two, two sides of the same coin. Exactly. And it feels a little just like, hello, hypocrisy, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. on both sides. What, 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 what is going on? And I, and I also just think anytime we're in sort of a like, I know this has to do with cancel culture and censorship, but it it's starting to feel a little more scary to me than even a year ago where mm-hmm. I was I, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of in favor of deplatforming certain voices that had been corrupt and had power. Now I'm like, ooh, but who says what gets banned, censored, what does I, it, it's starting to feel like a very bizarre slippery slope, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so here's why I bring this up. Jamar Tisby, who's been on the show before, he's the author of a book called How to Fight Racism. Um, The Color of Compromise, some other really, really powerful books. He's got a new young readers edition of How to Fight Racism. He's a faithful Christian guy. Again, he's been on the show. Now, he is a polarizing Mm -hmm. figure. There are a lot of conservative Christians that do not agree with the way he talks about race. Um, I personally really like him. We're doing a book study at our church uh, throughout a lot of his books and studies. But I have to confess that he is polarizing. Correct. Okay, But here's what he says. He's talking about his new book for kids, and he's talking about how right now regressive forces in our land are coming up with a list of books that should be banned from schools. This is over at religionnews.com, by the way. And he talks about in one of the most publicized instances, Republican Texas state senator or excuse me, Representative Mount Krause disseminated a list of 850 books that apparently troubled him. He asked uh, school districts to report whether any of them are on school libraries. Recently, Saturday Night Live even talked about this. Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, um, actually set up a hotline where parents can call in if they find out that certain books or CRT is being taught in the schools. Mm-hmm. So the question that Jamar Tisby is beginning to pose is his book, because it's about race, racism, et cetera, is it going to be banned? The larger conversation is, what do we do about banned books? And he actually talks about books meaning so much to him when he was growing up and how we can't ban books. We actually have to lean into love instead. But I'm a little shocked, Brian, and maybe I'm naive, but here we are, 2022, talking about banned books? So let me let me talk about this in two different ways. Okay. Because, you know, the Yunkin one or other ones has to do with school libraries. Yeah. Our kids go to public schools. Aren't there? Wouldn't there be certain types of books if your kid got them in your school library that you would say uh, you'd call the school and be like, what the heck? Absolutely. So I don't think any of us are for every book that's ever written should be allowed to be in a school library. Like That feels different to me. Now, a public library. Totally different conversation. Feels different to me. And so I do understand. And I know a lot of this goes back to what are the books that are trying to be kept out of the library. But there are certainly books that if my kids came home with and they were told, hey, we had to read this or I just picked this one up at the library. I'd be like, I'm calling that school right now because that's not appropriate. Right. Versus the the public school. Right. I do think. Aubrey, I don't think it is good for a couple of different reasons to be banning books in general as a society. One is, as we're seeing now, it has the opposite effect. 
Yeah, right, it right. shines a light on a book right. that you probably never would have heard of. Right. And more people are reading said banned book yeah, than ever. That book well, shoots up in the what, bestsellers list. What yeah. hap- I think the best thing that could happen for you as an author is somebody to come out and just Actually, rail about it. Maybe but, that's, right. like a, that's like a scheme I need exactly, to plot. Yeah. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, think about it that way. But also, um, you know... We, we do have to be careful. I think I worry sometimes, and this gets to the Rogan stuff too. I think people are really, really good about arguing these things when the books that are banned or the podcast that is getting uh, banned or whatever are things that they agree with. Mm. The real question about free speech good, is the real question about free speech is. Are you good with free speech when you hate what the other person is saying? That's so important. And if you can't say yes to that, then you can't. You don't have a leg to stand on about a podcast still going. Books being. That's That's the exact point of that tweet right there. Right. Yep. People are going there. All they're really saying is don't ban the books that I think should still be there. Yeah. Now, if there is a book in your school library that is antithetical to what you believe. Yeah. Are you still good with it being there? Right. If there's a podcast that is antithetical to what you believe, yeah. are you still good with it being there? Yeah. If you, we say this all the time with religious freedom, if it's not your religion, yep. are you still going to fight that they have freedom for, or is it yep. just about you, the books I want my kids to read, yeah. the podcast I think should be listened? That's where this gets tricky. We all don't like the idea of banned books. Right. Are you good with the books not being banned that you so are, good, not just Brian. don't like, but you are categorically against uh, passionately yeah. against yeah i would say if you can answer yes then get on the streets and yeah. be like yes yeah. if all it is is no no but i think we should be doing that book but someone else brought up one that you don't think yeah. and now all of a sudden you're good with that being right. thrown in the garbage right i think you're i think you're phone yeah i brian i think that is a killer point like that is that is absolutely right and and the solution to all of this let's be honest is discernment mm-hmm. and teaching our kids discernment yep. like we need to know if we are for free speech, but we don't like, we don't want, you know, the St. Worshippers Bible in the school, like, <laughs> yes. then have the discernment, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I couldn't think of another, have the discernment not to read it mm-hmm. and to teach our kids why you wouldn't. Yeah. And, ha- and, you know, let's develop this skill of like, okay, we do, we don't want books banned, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Therefore, but we, ha- but it is okay for us to discern what's right and wrong, what we take in and we don't. And so this is a, yeah, I feel like we, we need to hearken back to the skill of discernment when that's we, right. when we both consume and have conversations mm-hmm. about this. Anyway, that's a, thank you, Brian. That was a lot of wisdom. Well, uh, when we come back, we're actually going to take a turn and do something really fun, something Brian and I love to do each and every week. That is a top five list. We have a very good one for you this week. In fact, I would dare say it is totally radical, like to the max. (laughs) We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And it is that time for our favorite part of the week, our top five things. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right. And this week's top five list is top five 80s songs from 80s movies. Yes, and let's make sure we can. We always feel like we need to clarify these a little bit. At least this is how I attack this. It's not just a song that happened to show up in a movie. Mm -hmm. Instead, when I hear this song, I go, 
that's from that movie. It yes. might not be the theme song right. from the movie, right? But you you link that song to with that, that movie. movie. Correct. Yes. yes. Correct. I love it. Okay, Brian, are you ready? I am. I know that I'm missing some. I tried I know. to look up lists. Isn't this hard? I this feel one was good hard. about my list, but I feel like I'm missing some that yeah. people are going to bring up, and yeah. I'm going to go. Oh, how did I miss that? Yeah. Okay, number five. Okay, let's go. Ghostbusters. Oh, that's a great one. Ghostbusters. I yes. Who are you going to call? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, very good. There's going to be a lot of singing right now, isn't there? Ghostbusters. That's my number five. Ghostbusters. Okay, I like that. Mine, I had to double check that it was an 80s movie, and it is 1980. It is a song, 9 to 5, sung by Miss Dolly Parton herself. That's right. Uh, I don't remember that movie, but yes, that song and all the Apparently lists. they're remaking that movie. Sure, they're remaking yeah, all the movies. Yep. There's nothing new under the yep. sun, right? So uh, I, all the lists I looked at, 9 to 5, was high up Stumble there. Stumble out of bed on a stumble to the kitchen. <laughs> oh, myself. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> all right. My number four, Footloose. Now I've got to cut loose. Be you gotta have Kenny Loggins. Yes. Uh, Whether it's from Top Gun or I, from Footloose or maybe both. Maybe both. Okay, yes, all right. A little, uh, a little uh, foreshadowing there. Okay. But yes, Footloose. Uh, everybody taught and, and yeah. you're just like yeah. you start you dancing, see the shoe you see the shoes going my number four is also Footloose so we'll oh, just go ahead okay. and put it in there have yeah. you gone back and watched that movie at all by the way Um, not in the past two decades probably I have watched the new one with Julianne okay. uh, Huff is that her name yeah uh, Footloose does not treat well our profession <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 that's right because the pastor it's yes. the pastor who's all anti-dancing always yeah. the pastor okay yep, yep. alright uh, Brian number, number three number three from Top Gun Danger Zone. There you go. Yes. That's such a good song. Another Kenny Loggins. Yes, that Amer- was my last. He is America's Songbird. I gotta he say is, it. He is. He is. All right, that's my number three. All right, this w- this was really hard for me to narrow down the order, but I am gonna go with number three is Eye of the Tiger. Uh, you're gonna see. See, there, maybe there aren't that many '80s songs to go. But uh, by the way, back to the Top Gun one. Yeah, I feel like Top Gun soundtrack. As I was looking at, you could take multiple songs from the Top Gun. <gasps> take soundtrack. my breath away. Yeah, yeah I forgot yeah, about that one. Yeah, yeah. There were some good songs on there. You could, you could go multiple from the Top Gun that soundtrack. Lost that love and feel. That's not an '80s song, but that's but very it's from Top, Top Gun. Gun. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, but I think it's got to be Danger Zone, right? Yeah, so it's got to be Danger Zone. Uh, you and I have the Tiger with. Yep. Number three, my yep. number two. Yep. Time of my life, dirty dancing. <gasps> and I love that song. I don't know why he cracks you with the You Have I a Dirty that Dancing song. song Not this. only do I have a Dirty Dancing song, I could have multiple in here. Can I tell you, this is a funny please story. Please stop. Please stop. He clearly obviously doesn't listen to our show. Yeah. But, but like my best friend growing up, he's still out in New Jersey. Uh, I remember we would play basketball in his garage. He had like a like a low basketball hoop we'd play. Yeah. Uh, and we had certain tapes that we would play. Awesome. And uh, like, you know, there's the Christian group White Heart. Awesome. Like was, and it, we played over because we just had this tape. <laughs> and I remember one of us, I don't remember which one of us, had the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Yes, it was probably did. him because he had sisters. Okay. And so I can remember playing basketball <laughs> to like to like elementary school or junior high boys listening to the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. <laughs> and to this day, if, if I had the time of, if that comes on, I am staying on that channel, <laughs> no doubt. 
may be my favorite thing about you. <laughs> the best I, thing you've ever said on the radio uh, ever. <laughs> I will. That is, if it comes on, I am stopping. There's some Time good of my songs life. on that soundtrack. Love is Strange is on there, baby. Oh, and Robert, that one they you, sing together. Is that the one they sing to, together? You do not need to. In fact, if you if we were doing She's a like list, the wind. <laughs> wow, they're all coming back. Right I mean, if you made me do a top five soundtracks, full soundtracks, I think Dirty Dancing made up number okay, one for me. Okay, we need to add that to our list. Soundtracks. I'm, I'm writing that down. He's that's like good. the wind. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay. All right, Brian. Uh, I'll say my number two, then we'll do honorable mentions. This is actually one of my favorite songs, and this was hard to... Number two and number one are very close, but I love this band, The Psychedelic Furs. I love this movie, Pretty in Pink, and the song, Pretty in Pink. Sing it for us. Isn't she pretty in pink? Isn't she? <laughs> so good. This is turning into my favorite top five list ever. All right, I only have one honorable mention. Okay, I have two. What are yours? I think I could have got more, but I only had one, and this one... Uh, I actually had to look up that it was the 80s. It snuck into the 80s in 1989. Okay, okay, wow. So I did think about doing Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, Twist and Shout, but I don't, that, that's not from that Ferris Bueller's very, Day Off, right? That feels very, more like 50s Beatles. There you yeah. go. So I went Little Mermaid, part of your world. <laughs> you did not. I did. Wow, that, okay, I would have said that was a 90s movie, but if it's not in 89, okay, that counts. Good, good. And I that's a good that honorable song. mention. Would you like to sing any of it for us? Wish I could be. <laughs> Part of your world. Yes, I love that song. Oh, have you seen those memes when people are sick or like stay-at-home moms are losing their mind and it's a, the Little Mermaid, I want to be where the, where the people are? <laughs> so That's funny. Awesome. Honorable right. mentions. Honorable mentions. I've got two. Um, St. Elmo's Fire from St. Elmo's Fire. Yes. And a man in motion. Oh, I do like that song. Like, that's a yep. good one. And then this may be a little naughty for the radio, but um, what a feeling from Flashdance. What a feeling. That's not bad. That's, That's such good. a good song. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number one. So number one. and 80s this, song from 80s movie. This will not surprise you. Okay. Because A, you've already said it. But B, I have some themes in my life when you and I do TV mm. shows or we do movies. Yeah. So mine, from the, all the Rocky movies, I went I, Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But Rocky Four soundtrack, there are multiple songs from the training is that, montage. On, huh. in Living in America. America. Yeah. R.I.P. Apollo Creed from last week. He sings that, comes in, gets punched and killed by the oh, Russians. So sad. Uh, so there's a bunch when he's working out, Hearts on Fire, where he's working out. How does out. that one go again? Hearts on Fire. Yeah, it is, and he's is that working the out in Russia. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. He's in the cabin. Yes, he's yes. trudging through the snow. But if you have to choose a song, and it's from the Rocky it's movies, be Eye of the it Tiger. has to yeah. be Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. So that is my number one yeah. ED song. Aubrey, you're number one. This is a very fun segment. This I can't is. wait to hear what our listeners, you're going to have to tell us what we missed and what you love, because this is really fun to talk about. Okay. I still love this song. I still listen to this song. I still, I don't, I don't, yeah, I love it. I love, I love everything about it. From Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. This is from, of course, The Breakfast Club. That's right. And the biggest, of course, Don't You Forget About Me moment is Judd Nelson throwing his fist yes. in the air after detention. And that is like unforgettable. That is good. That's a Such fun a list. Good song. I enjoyed yep, that. Yeah, that was a very fun list. All right. Well, like I said, Tell us what we missed. Tell us what you love. You'll probably get our brains going because I'm sure we forgot some good no ones. Doubt. But no um, I think I think we're going to have to come back on and do all our top soundtrack at some point. Or we're going to do top songs from the 90s. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. 
For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.